1: their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Thank you guys for that.
0: Okay, kids, we want to stand up and go in the back. Casey and Pat will be back there. Casey's doing double today. (laughs) She's involved a lot today. When do you feel the most alive? When do you feel the most alive? On Saturday mornings, as part of our weekly day of rest ritual, I slowly make a big breakfast for us. While Seth and Callum give each other haircuts, or rather, Seth and Callum surprise me with a mohawk on Callum, which is another story, I make pancakes or French toast or muffins, eggs, sausage, and veggies. Sounds good, doesn't it? And while I take my time and cook, I listen to the New York Times book review podcast, an enjoyable activity for me that has nothing to do with being a better counselor or a parent. So the Saturday before Easter, I heard an interview with Carl Zimmer, who had just released a book called The Life's Edge, The Search for What It Means to Be Alive. He shared that a set definition of what it means to be alive isn't always clear. Some think that life can only be defined if we think of it in contrast to death. Life is over when we can no longer fight against death. Scientists, ethicists, philosophers, and physicians, and even theologians don't come to this question in different ways. And even within each of their respective fields, there is not one single definition or agreement on a definition. So on that holy Saturday morning while I was flipping those pancakes and listening to the interview, I couldn't help but think, what an appropriate topic to consider the day before Resurrection Sunday. What is life? When do we feel fully alive? And is that the same as resurrection life? On Easter Sunday, when we were here, Dennis discussed this passage in Luke 24 that Cindy, Kent, Angela, and Casey so wonderfully read for us. Dennis also mentioned on Easter this Celtic idea of thin places, a place where the space between heaven and earth, what is known and not known, humankind and God, are so close they almost touch. And in this passage, these two disciples, who Dennis believes are Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas, are walking away from Jerusalem. In verse 17, Jesus, whose identity is somehow veiled to them at the time, appears to them and asks what they're doing. They stand still with downcast faces, not very full of life. They probably were disappointed, sad, hurt, confused, for they had hoped that the man would be the one to deliver Israel, this man Jesus but instead he had died a horrible death. I heard John Tyson, a pastor in New York, share in one of his teachings a while ago that these two disciples were walking away from their hope in Jesus. They had heard the possibility that Jesus was alive, but they weren't sticking around Jerusalem to see if those unreliable stories were true. And Jesus walks with these disciples even as they are walking away from him. Even as they walk away from any hope in Jesus, Jesus lovingly and graciously walks with them. What a kind Savior we have, offering but not forcing his resurrection life and hope to those who doubt. I know this gives me comfort as I think of those I know who are experiencing doubt and those who are walking away from Jesus. And then Jesus and the disciples start to talk on this road. And on their, on their travels, they experience a very thin place. Have you ever experienced a thin place in your sorrow and in your grief? I'll share a key story in my life that's the reason that I'm here now. When I was 16, I was transported to a hospital room, confused and unsure what was happening. I was in the room with my mom when she died. It was a sudden and traumatic death. And it's hard to believe that it happened over 23 years ago. And please know that God has done immense healing in my heart so that I can share this story with courage and just a little bit of ache today. In that hospital room, in that thin, thin place, when I was 16, the passage that I was divinely led to and I read out loud was 1 Corinthians 15, and you may be familiar with that. I won't read all of it, but let me read a brief section. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? This passage makes reference to the passage in Isaiah that Stephen read to us during this call to worship. And as I read this passage over and over in that hospital room when I was 16, it was my deep longing and call for resurrection life. In that moment, I didn't desire mere happiness or mere comfort. I longed for resurrection life. And I felt so very sad and yet hopeful at the same time, and I can't explain that all. I won't pretend that the pain didn't engulf me at times, the years after mom's death. But my burning hope was in the resurrection life in the life that is and the life that will be. My story may be unique to me, but the reality and experience of this resurrection life is not unique to me here and those at home. And if the good news we believe doesn't include this resurrection life on earth and in the time to come, then I'm not sure it's really good news at all. In Philippians 3, 10 through 11, Paul, who has experienced thin places, states, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Do you feel a burning in your heart when we talk about this resurrection life? Just like the disciples experienced? Let's get back to the disciples. In Luke twenty-four thirty-two. after Jesus breaks the bread with them and then leaves them, They state, didn't we feel our heart burning while we conversed on the road, while he opened up the scriptures for us? Burning means to ignite, light, burn, to be greatly moved. I've asked many of you these past few weeks um, the question, what does it mean for you to be greatly moved, to feel fully alive? So let me read some of your responses. Playing, laughter, deep connection with people, When my senses are aware and I'm outside. Sacred spaces. Slowing down and practicing the sacrament of the present moment. Being directed toward wonder and awe. Moving, gardening. These are really good. These practices may be thin places. I don't think we can necessarily manufacture this resurrection life. And I'm not saying that these practices are the end goal of resurrection life but that doesn't mean we shouldn't purposely engage in these practices. Sometimes God meets us in the loud moments, such as births and deaths and losses, and God frequently meets us when we engage in these practices during during the very ordinary moments of our lives. Beth Carroll from Our House Church, she recently gave me a book, Pauses for Pentecost by Trevor Hudson, and I will finish with his words and also words from Paul. Hudson writes, are there moments when you feel more dead than alive? I am sure you know what I mean. To be alive is to be responsive to whatever is around us. It is to interact with people and circumstances in a way that is purposeful, yet also joyfully spontaneous. By contrast, to be dead is to be non-responsive. We all know what that is like. It is those empty times when we feel totally unresponsive to God to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to the words of Scripture, and to prayer. We feel apathetic, uncaring, and indifferent in our relationships with those around us. Everything, including that which is beautiful and good, seems bland and boring. No longer are our everyday lives filled with a sense of childlike wonder and delight. We become the walking dead. It is a painful space in which to dwell. But in Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, Paul states, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God alone, the giver of life and the conqueror of death, can deliver us from our spiritual deadness. This happens as we run toward the resurrected one, open ourselves to his life-giving breath, and courageously make choices for life day after day. God is not hugely concerned about whether we are religious or not. Rather, what matters to God and matters supremely is whether we are alive or not. How do you respond? Will you come out of the darkness and into the light? For you are no longer slaves, you are daughters and sons. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, Would like more information about Renew or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.